Hello, and welcome to The Bible and Culture, the weekly podcast that combines a life-shaping study of the scriptures and practical observations of culture. Each episode is designed to equip the Christian for faith in real life and challenge the skeptic to take another look. I am your host, Vernon L. Harper, and I hope you will be blessed. Hello, everyone. We are back from hiatus, and the message for today's episode is entitled, The End Times. It is a message exploring what is commonly referred to as the end times and our current place in these end times. From the times of the early church, people have been predicting the end of the world in one form or another. This is not one of those messages. This is merely a spiritual weather report. I'm going to tell you why you see all these storm clouds gathering. It will be up to you to decide if you want to carry an umbrella or not. Now on to the episode. The End Times The scripture for today's episode is found in Isaiah 24, 1-3. And the word of the Lord reads thusly, Look, the Lord is about to destroy the earth and make it a vast wasteland. He devastates the surface of the earth and scatters the people, priests and lay people, servants and masters, maids and mistresses, buyers and sellers, lenders and borrowers, bankers and debtors. None will be spared. The earth will be completely emptied and looted. The Lord has spoken. You can't swing a dead cat at a preacher's convention without hitting someone predicting the biblical end of the world. For some reason, the study of prophecy can make people feel spiritually deep and ecclesiastically wonderful. I think it's because the ability to accurately predict the future is associated with being a prophet. And if you want to be known as deep and wonderful, being called a prophet is a good place to start. Let me assure you, however, that I am not here to predict the future. I can be better described as I give this message as a spiritual weatherman. Jesus told us in Matthew 24, 32 through 33, to take a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches grow tender, you know summer is near. In like manner, there are signs for the end time. And we can know what spiritual season we are in by just looking at the spiritual weather. The weather forecast for today is cloudy with a 100% chance of end times. So, what should we be looking for? In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul reviews for his readers the nature of the end times before Christ returns. In verse 3 of this second chapter, Paul tells his readers not to be deceived. Jesus will not return until there is first the great falling away or rebellion against Christ. We are seeing this rebellion now. If we are honest, and at this stage there is no reason not to be, most of the world's Christians practice one of the various forms of cultural Christianity, not biblical Christianity. The reality is that there is only biblical Christianity, and any Christianity that derives from someplace other than the Bible is something other than the Christian faith. Cultural Christianity is not based on scripture, 
but it is a Christianity based on whatever is popular or accepted in their surrounding culture. For instance, if you ask many Christians how many animals Moses took on the ark, they might struggle with the answer. Especially when you point out that it wasn't Moses who took animals on the ark, it was Noah. Being a Christian without knowing scripture is like being a mathematician without studying math. The entire Christian faith is contained in scripture, so if you do not know scripture, the enemy fills in the blanks with other things. That's why we hear Christians quoting the ups and downs of karma as a philosophy of life, consulting their horoscope, and even trying to treat God like he is a cosmic lottery ticket. You put your money in the right preacher's hands and boom, God drops prosperity at your doorstep. Many of us read every type of Christian book except the Bible. Many of these books are helpful in studying the principles in the Bible, but many of them are just Christianized self-help books. You know the type I'm talking about. It's the I'm okay, you're okay, fake it till you make it, you deserve success, God wants you to be rich and famous, be all you can be kind of junk that has become popular in the secular culture. These types of beliefs are very religious, but they are not Christian at all. It is possible to join and practice a Christian religion without knowing Jesus. If you are not pursuing an understanding of God's word, don't fool yourself. You are in rebellion against God. Christianity is not a religion, but it is a relationship with Christ. That relationship is only built and preserved through the word of God. Be ye doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That's James 1.22. Many of us can't do the word of God because we are hearing, reading, and living everything else but the word of God. While you might be taking pride in how religious you are and how your whole family went to church, I would remind you that it was the religious folk, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and teachers of the law that opposed Jesus and turned him over to the Roman authority. It is not atheists that are the main opponent of Jesus today, but those cultural Christians who walk in the form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Now, why is this important for the world? Well, in that same second chapter of 2 Thessalonians, we find Paul writing that after the great falling away or rebellion against God and his word, that the man of lawlessness will be revealed. Let's read it. Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you and you know what is holding him back? For he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. That is 2 Thessalonians 2, 3-5. This one who's been holding the man of lawlessness back is the Holy Spirit in the earth. The fact of the matter is the enemy has always wanted to destroy as much of humanity as he can. God's spirit present in God's people has restrained him. It's just like in the days of Sodom. God would have spared all of Sodom, Gomorrah, and the surrounding cities of the plains if God had just found ten righteous people there. Think of it. 
thousands of people spared the judgment for their wickedness because of a righteous tent. While I'm on the subject, just why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and the city of the plains? God tells us exactly why in Ezekiel 16:49 and 50. And it reads, Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. That's Ezekiel 16, 49 through 50. Arrogant, overfed, unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. Sound like anybody we know? Before you get on your high horse and exclude yourselves from the sins of Sodom, you better have a clear biblical understanding of what those sins included. The above description sounds like the developed Western world, including most of us listening to this podcast. The reasons God gives for the judgment of Sodom serves as a Cinderella message for all of us. If the shoe fits, put it on. God would have given Sodom a pass if he could have found just 10 righteous people there. God would have done this only because Abraham interceded and pleaded for them. You can read the whole story in Genesis 19, 1 through 29. God's people are to the world what Abraham and the righteous 10 were to Sodom. Biblical Christians, not cultural Christians, help preserve this world through our prayer and intercession just like Abraham did through his pleading with God for Sodom. Biblical Christians also preserve this world as we express God's love in action as the righteous 10 would have in Sodom if they had existed. Lot actually did express God's love and action as righteousness when he tried to protect and rescue the angels. Jesus told us, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. That's Matthew 5, 13. Salt provides flavor, but it was also used as a preservative. God's people in the earth should flavor the world with its love, but also preserve it with prayer, intercession, and relationship with God. The Holy Spirit holds back the man of lawlessness and the end-time trouble because he has found these metaphorically ten righteous in the world. But as God's people fall away from him, they are no longer a preservative. Scripture says that when we lose our saltiness, we are to be tossed out and trampled underfoot. As the Christian community becomes less and less Christian, it opens the way for the enemy to attack all of humanity. This is what we have been seeing in the last few years. Remember, judgment is not God throwing a tantrum and causing devastation. Judgment is turning us over to that which we have chosen. A human being is the only thing in the universe that can say no to God. When we say no often enough and long enough, God will turn us over to the consequences we have chosen. The more Christians who fall away, the more the enemy is free to attack humanity. In the book of Job, we see what the enemy is capable of once God's hedge of protection is removed. Yes, I know Job did not reject God. We did not have time to explain the circumstances that brought about Job's suffering. We will have to explore that at another time. What we can do, however, is see in those few chapters of Job just how the enemy operates. 
The enemy attacked Job through wicked people under his sway. The enemy also attacked Job through natural disaster represented with a tornado and lightning falling from the sky. We also saw the enemy attack Job's body with disease. Human wickedness, natural disaster and disease. This is what we are seeing in increased measure in the world. Just in case you think we could live in relative safety and prosperity with our cafe lattes and widescreen TVs because we are so smart or cute or special. Let me assure you that is not it. The only reason that we are not overwhelmed by the enemy is because of the grace of God provided by his preservative Christian presence in the earth. In case you think it can't get any worse, it can. The next pandemic can involve a much more deadly virus. There can be a solar flare that knocks out large portions of our world power grid and communications. When there is no more power to pump water into your home, or within three days, no more food delivered to the grocery store or no heat provided to your home. Trust me, it will be worse. Brothers and sisters, we have a lot of intercession to do. The world is depending on the prayers and presence of God's people, and they don't even know it. As the world loses its tentative grip on God, the enemy increases its grip on humanity. We are running headlong into the very thing we need to avoid. It's just like an event that happened many years ago. I was walking my five-year-old son and his friend across the street to the babysitter. This woman was such a sweetheart and the children loved her so much that my son's friend, upon seeing her across the street, smiled, waved at her, and then took off running into the street to go get her. Just then, a car was speeding down the street. I yelled the young man's name so loudly and sternly that he stopped in his tracks and began to cry. The car came screeching past where the young man would have been if he kept running. The world is doing the same thing, especially in the Western world. We have stopped walking with God and are running away from him, not heeding or understanding the warning that God is calling out every day. Righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach to any people. This is how we arrive at the end time. The world believes that God is outdated and irrelevant and that the Holy Spirit in the world has nothing to do with holding back the worst that can be and the worst that can happen. But the truth is that God is still God and the further humanity moves from him, the further we cultivate disaster. The world cries out, how can God allow all this wickedness when the real question is why we allow, cultivate and express this wickedness into creation. Then when God does act and the wicked are consumed by their own choices, we say, why is God so cruel? If he is supposed to be a loving God after all, why punish people for their wickedness? Well, which one is it? Do you want God to act and judge the wicked? Or do you want a merciful God that gives everyone a second chance? I think we want the second chance God when we are being wicked and the punishing God when someone's wickedness hurts us. The truth is God is merciful, but it is largely human action that allows his mercy to thrive in the earth. God operates through humanity, and the more humanity rejects God, the less of his love and action can be expressed in the world. Now, forgive me if I've given you the impression that we all deserve what we get in a generic sense. I'm not saying that. 
Anyone who has walked through a pediatric cancer ward knows better than to believe anything so foolish. And no, I'm not claiming a solution to the thousands year old question of suffering in the world. What I am saying is we are in action in a hostile world with the enemy of humanity constantly on the attack and we cannot afford to run away from God like he is an irrelevant, unimportant nursery rhyme. We are living in the end times because we are turning our back on God and people are making decisions for and against God based on something other than the word of God. Everyone says that they know the Bible. What they really mean is that they own a Bible or they attended Sunday school or memorized some verses in children's church when they were young. But if they are honest, they know much more about almost any other subject than what's in their dust covered Bible. And this is true because they want it that way. There are none so blind as those who will not see. We are living in the end times. The wheels are coming off the wagon. The black hats are taking over the town. The only way to thrive in this time is to nurture a relationship with Jesus Christ, following his leading and act on his wisdom and direction. God is yet God, and he is the only answer in these end times. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for everything you've done for us and with us and everything you will do for us and with us. We thank you for going before us and making the crooked places straight. We thank you for covering us and protecting us. And the more we seek you, the more you reveal yourself to us and the more you act in the earth. Now, Father, protect those who don't know you. Reveal yourself to them. Protect those who would suffer in this world. Reach out. Have them know you the more. Have them reach out to you the more. Reveal yourself in the earth through your people. Light a fire and revive your people so that we would know our place in the world. We thank you for all of these things and we thank you for what you are continuing to do. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. We hope you were blessed by this week's episode of The Bible and Culture. If you were, share the episode on social media and consider visiting us at our website, thebibleandculture.com. There you will find our additional ministries. Thank you and God bless. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior who alone is wise, 
be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen.